Introducing the D'Addario Autolock, made with locking strap ends for an easy-to-use, clip-on system. When you're done, just pull the latch and slide it off. Keep your guitar on lock with the Dario Auto Lock. Sounds great. Hey everyone, this is Chris Keysport from Your Guitar. I'm hanging out in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm joined today by Angie Swan in New York City. Angie, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Chris? Real good. If you're not familiar with Angie, she has got a long list, but some of the highlights would definitely be working with CeeLo Green, Will I Am, Macy Gray, and most recently and probably most extended with David Byrne and part of his American Utopia Broadway show. That ended before the pandemic, right? Angie? Yeah, I did. A yeah, about three weeks before everything shut down. Okay. And so I know that they had postponed reopening or doing anything going forward, right, for the rest of 2020 and then into 2021? Yeah, yeah. The show is supposed to pick back up again, uh, actually, this month, September, or like, you know, October, early October. But everything's been pushed back, and uh, the, the reopening date is still to be determined. So I'm just here in New York eating bagels, playing music at home, and riding my bike. That's awesome. And yeah, you set up your apartment, which looks wonderful. I don't know if it always looks this way, but it looks like a gearhead's paradise. You got guitars on the wall, you got amps, you got Kempers, you, you got a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of my creative station. And there's another part of my apartment that, you know, I have like an easel because I'm like painting and stuff too. So yeah, this is kind of like my little one... You know, they, they call it man cave. This would be a woman cave or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's just start right with the guitar that you were playing on the intro, which is a Nashville native with uh, Dennis Vandal and the Novo brand. So tell me about uh, this guitar. And I, I've seen that with uh, you with that guitar with uh, David stuff. So talk to me about everything that uh, is associated with this instrument. Yeah, well, actually, uh, my friend Jared Scharf, who's been playing guitar for Saturday Night Live uh, for like the past 13 years, he's the one that introduced me to uh, Dennis Fano. And at the time, uh, he was still making Fano guitars. So I met him at NAMM and I tried out some of his guitars. I'm like, wow, this feels really nice. It sounds great. And so I knew I was interested in picking one up eventually. And this was like years before I started working with David. Um, and then when I when I finally got in touch with Dennis, he wasn't making Fano anymore. He was making Novo, and I'm like, well, you know, I love the shape of the guitar. It just looks very, it's very unique. That's kind of what stood out to me. Um, and also, I like the weight of the guitar. Like even you know the Fano guitars were pretty light and just very balanced, and you know just felt like a solid piece. But it was still solid. It was like lightweight, but still a very powerful instrument. Mm -hmm. So. You know, eventually I had one made, and you know, I wanted it to have like um, 
like I'm not a big single coil player, so I haven't put Lawler's Lawler pickups in it. So I can still get kind of like a single coil tone, but a little bit thicker. Um, and yeah, I use this guitar for David's show. And, you know, just by chance, I ended up using it for most of the songs because uh, David's show is fully choreographed. So there's not much time in between to switch out guitars. Um, you know, I'm also using uh, Nags guitars, uh, which we got one right here made by Joe Nags, amazing luthier that I've been kind of like in touch with for many, many years now. So, you know, I like, you know, I like a variety of different axes depending on, you know, what I'm playing. And now with the, the, the preference for humbuckers, does that extend beyond David's work? Because I know when you guys get on stage in the songs that he does play guitar, it's typically with a Strat and a single coil. So was that... Uh, in mind when you decided to kind of go with the Nags and the Novo, or was it just kind of you've always been a humbucker person? Well, I've, I've always been a humbucker person. I mean, when I was younger, like growing up, I'd look at, uh, like, you know, I just always like the Les Paul. I mean, I have a Les Paul tattooed on my back. Like, that's just always <laughs> been like, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, when, when, first I was like, oh, Fender or Gibson, and, you know, I, I, had, a, I had a Strat, like a Squire, um, but I always just was kind of attracted to Gibson's, like that really thick sound. I really like thick, thicker tones, mm -hmm. but that can still break up a bit. You can still like, you can really rip a nice solo, but it's still, it's not so, so tenny, I guess. So th such a thin sound. Um, so that's just kind of always been a personal preference. So I kind of always lean more towards like a warmer tone. And I guess that could have come from when I was playing jazz. Cause that's kind of what I started with was, you know, jazz and blues. So. Right on. Is there anything that we should know about the guitar that is like special to you or is it kind of how Dennis gave it to you? I know that you requested the Lawlers, but is there anything else? No well, no, this was actually made completely from scratch, um, like, you know, to spec. I, um, w when I got the gig with David, I was kind of curious about the continuity. I knew, you know, David's a very visual person. He's very, you know, it's musical, but it's also visual. He's kind of like a, like a renaissance man, like an artist. So I asked him, I said, well, what's the color scheme of your show? just so I wasn't going to come with something that just completely stood out and didn't match with the aesthetic that he was going for. And that's when he told me they were all wearing gray suits. So I kind of, you know, went back and forth with the guys from, um, from, from, uh, Novo. And at first this, uh, pick guard was aluminum, ah. which I really liked cause it was really flashy, yeah. but the stage yeah. lights would hit it. They hated it. Like, you know, the, the, the lighting guy hated it. Cause anytime the light would hit this, you know, the reflection would hit the audience or it would hit the lens of the camera. So eventually, um, guys at Novo sent me another plate to like, you know, to rectify that. Cause yeah, everything used to be this, uh, this uh. aluminum. They, like I said, they hated it. So, so yeah, I kind of based the color scheme on what I was told the show was going to be like, uh, this is an accident that I'm wearing gray pants and a black shirt today. That didn't, I didn't plan that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just noticing that now. I'm like, am I playing the guitar or is it playing me? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so that, that was pretty much it. And also, um, Nags also made a guitar that was like really based on the, the color scheme of the show because, you know, with the color gray, pretty much any light can hit that and it'll change colors. That's why they went for like the gray look. Oh. Because it just really translated well with, you could throw a red light on a gray suit, all of a sudden everything on stage looks red or pink. That's cool. Which I didn't know. Yeah, it, I had to learn that. It's but. funny because like guitars back in the 50s had that same type of reason for, for uh, certain paint colors. You know, they called it like the early Gibsons like TV yellow because 
they needed them to show up. So it's, it still matters how an instrument and presentation comes across on TV. It's still, you know, 70, 80 years from the dawn of electric guitar. It's still, it's still a point of contention of what you can and can't pull off on TV. Or on stage. Yeah, or you could get or you can get like a, a neon yellow Ibanez. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a statement for sure. Well should we, oh, yeah. should we move on to another guitar? Yeah, absolutely. You know, since we were talking about the um, this uh, David show, I'll just go right to the Nags guitars. Um, and you know, I, I love this guitar. I've been using I used this also when I was touring with Fifth, a group called Fifth Harmony. And I only had one guitar with me, so I wanted something, you know, you know, they were more like pop rock. And so, I, you know, I just said, again, like a Les Paul style guitar. I mm -hmm. went for this. Um, uh, this is the Nags Kanai. And actually, I had them put, there's a, a I can split the coil here because for David's show, again, no time to switch guitars. So I had to be able to switch my tone without leaving the stage. So halfway through the run, we had... A couple switches and modifications to this guitar but again I really like it the you know that's again for me big issue is the weight because of movement choreography I don't want to be weighed down and also I want to be able to perform you know live for a long period of time and I just know so many people had horrible back issues um, uh, uh, like you know let old Les Pauls are like just ridiculously heavy They're, they probably weigh more than me so <laughs> again that's that's a that's a really big factor when I make decisions on which guitars I choose to use so uh, I'm gonna play this a little bit yeah let's hear it I'm sure it's in tune uh, let's let, I'm gonna take this little guy down to drop D and uh, I don't name my guitars all the time or I do so you know some people do mm -hmm. I used to but i started forgetting their names so i, <laughs> I was like i was like you're great uh, uh you know how when you meet somebody either that means you have too many guitars or you don't have a good memory i don't know which one it is angie uh probably a little bit of both okay. or i just no i just forget because i because you, you know you have you know you remember stuff with repetition i just don't call them by names yeah you know it's like having a lot of children you're like hey you get over here and play with that <laughs> thing or whatever but <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, that's Joe Nags for you. I mean, that's that's just you know, that's just the neck pickup. I mean, the bridge pickup. It gets thicker and thicker. I mean, again, depends on the amp. I mean, hearing hearing this guitar in, oh, where was it? The Asia tour where we were in, like a, like hearing this guitar in like a stadium or an arena. I used to kind of get to the sound check as early as possible just to kind of play because you know we were with in ears. Yeah. So it's kind of you know you're very confined. So. I would try to get there whenever I could just to kind of take one ear out and just play and just 
feel the whole room rumble. You know, it's just such a cool feeling to me. Well, do you know what uh, pickups are those Lollers as well? Are you uh, loyal to the Lollers or what's, what's those? Uh, I think these are called, uh, what are they called? Seth, Seth Lovers. I think they're okay. called Seth Lovers. Yeah, I think those are Seymour Duncan's. Yeah, yeah, and, and they're just really, um, you know, that's just a really standard, you know, I think he probably has these as his stock for for his, um, you know, any humbuckers he uses, but, you know, I just trusted his judgment. When he told me what was in it, because I, you know, like I said, you know, you can't go wrong with Joe, so I was like, do, I, I pretty much give him a lot of freedom. I, you know, I meet them and say, hey, do what you want to do, um, but that's pretty much it for me. I want to mention, too, I'm actually playing all this, you know, I don't have a lot of space in my apartment, so I have a really small amp. This is the Supro uh, 1622 RT Trim Verb. Uh, it's just 10-inch speaker, and it just sounds really good. Like, right now, what is it at? It's not even at, like, it's like at four. Wow. <laughs> not even. No, yeah, it's like at like three and a half, four, so it's not even that loud right now. But, you know, it's pretty, it's a versatile amp. I like the clean tones I get from it. And it's portable, which I've mentioned before. You know, I, I like practical. You know, I, I didn't have a guitar with P90s. I used to have a Les Paul, uh, you were talking about television yellow. I had a TV yellow Les Paul uh, double cutaway with P90s. And it was, uh, I unfortunately had to sell it a long time ago, financial hardships. And I still, I still miss it, but it was for like, it was to a friend and somebody I know that, that's putting it to good use. And I always told myself, I said, one day I'm going to have another one with P90s. And so that's where, that's how this came about. Right on. Well, what do you like about the P90s, at least in, in, in this particular guitar, in this particular cower guitar? You know, I don't, you know how people call it ballsy? I call it eggy. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, again, um, you know, I think I was working on a rock project or something and so that's you know back when i had the les paul i was using it you know i once brought it to a jazz gig which was a horrible idea and you know p90s are really loud too and i think these were actually kind of quieter but these are actually quieter p90s than what i'm used to i just i just needed a i needed a guitar with p90s just like for like a very heavy gig i was doing and you know again just for me just having versatility i'd rather have a few guitars like each each guitar has to have a specific you know, use, because otherwise it's just like, I don't want a lot of the same thing. I'd rather just have, you're unique for this style of music, you're unique for this style. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, let's see, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use the uh, Exotic SL Drive for this. I was using the, uh, the Earthquaker Devices Hoof Fuzz earlier. For anyone interested, see it's loud, now it's loud. Let's turn that up. These are uh, those are probably my top three. These yeah, these two and this one right here. All right. Are the ones I play the most. So. 
I think before we move on to your amp, you briefly mentioned it in your Kemper and then all the pedals you want to show us is, there's a story to be told about the Rickencaster next to you. I feel like people will enjoy this. Yeah, yeah, well actually, um, this does not come from a company or anything. It's just a guitar that's been put together, uh, just a bunch of different parts by my friend Rick Torres. He's in Los Angeles and we met at a jam session. There's a place called the Kibitz Room, which is on Fairfax. It's on Fairfax Avenue. Uh, it's a tiny little like hole in the wall dive bar connected to this old Jewish deli called Cantor's. Ooh. And you know, they just have jam sessions um, like every Tuesday night and just like a bunch of old guys that have played with everybody. And they just kind of, you know, it's that old Hollywood kind of vibe, just people who've seen it all and just, they just get together and literally jam. Like they, they probably like were very like huge in the eighties, nineties and you know, just kind of stayed in LA and there's, you know, it's kind of what gave LA its character were, were like places like that. And you know, the, the kibitz room is a very historical place and uh, I haven't been there in a while. I don't, I don't know, how, you know, if it's open, but so I met Rick there and uh, you know, he said he, he makes guitars and he just kind of, puts parts together, he likes to collect stuff, find stuff online. And I, and he brought he brought this guitar to the gym. And I was like, "Wow, that's beautiful. Can I um can I try it?" And I played it and again the you know, again the first thing that grabs me is, you know, the playability. If I can if I connect with it right away and I was just like, "This feels great." I mean, one difference though, the body is really heavy. This is a heavier body than all my other guitars. But I just thought it was really cool, and so I, you know, I'll show you the headstock. I'll maybe show you a close-up picture yeah. later. But yeah, it's called a it's called a Rickencaster. He just came up with that name because his name's Rick. Thinking Rickenbacker, kind of has like a telly shape to it. Mm -hmm. So Rickencaster, he went for. But I used this guitar for a lot of smooth jazz gigs I was doing in like the mid two thousand like two thousand six two thousand seven. I was playing with an artist named Boney James. And um, yeah, it just really worked for me. And I used this guitar with Cirque du Soleil as well. And they kind of put this little kind of sticker on it and it stuck, no pun intended. But uh, I'm trying to remember who, a couple guitar players, uh, like smooth jazz players saw this guitar backstage when I was on tour with Boney. I want to say George, yeah, George Benson saw it. Uh, Earl Clue, but I think he's, he's a left, no, Jonathan Butler's a lefty. He saw this guitar and I was like, yeah, you can see it, but I don't know if you can play it. But. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you play it much anymore? I know that you mentioned that the gigs that you had before was uh, some years ago. Is this something that gets used at all anymore or is this more of a, just a piece you keep? Well, I haven't used it that much because again, like all the parts are thrown together. Like I, I would take this guitar to get it set up. Uh, and people would be like, oh, this looks like a bomb went off in the inside of it because it's just a bunch of wires and things soldered. It kind of looked like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger at the end of um, Terminator, you know, like when he's all busted up. And yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the best way to describe what's going on inside of here. So sometimes it, it cuts in and out. I was having some issues with one of the pots. So I, you know, it just wasn't you know, I wasn't comfortable taking it out as much anymore. I mean, I use it at home sometimes just to kind of doodle around with it, but you know, just plugging it in recently, I forget how much I actually liked it. So, you know, if I do start playing gigs again, I'm sure I would definitely take it out. Would you like to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. Oh yeah, that's an octave pedal. It's not a 12 string. Okay. <laughs> 
it's like just kind of a dry signal right now. But it, it, the neck is really smooth. The action is, actually the action is way lower on this guitar than my other ones. And it, it considering I haven't touched it in years, like I'm, I'm like kind of falling in love with it right now. We might have to pause the video so I can have a moment, but. <laughs> If it'd be cool, if it, maybe you could grab the Novo, and I know uh, I, uh, that you can talk about the Kemper, but we, I'm sure everyone would love to hear kind of more of your pedals, hear you play through some of your pedals, if that's cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, recently, I yeah, I'll grab the Novo. I was, I just kind of got hip to Earthquaker Devices pedals, which are, I like them because they're very, first of all, they're, they're really, um, they're good people. Like, I've, you know, I've had conversations with people that were, you know, on the staff and it's just I really like I like their their uh, their advertising model I like their ethics um, and so that you know it's really important to me to see how a company uses their voice for for everything and so uh, you know I really got into them with the avalanche run the delay reverb pedal uh, mm -hmm. a good friend of mine kind of turned me on to them and you know for years I've been using the boss dd5 which is a uh, you know it's it's classic. I've had this thing for probably about 15... Well, that's the thing about boss pedals. They, they just last forever. Yeah. But I actually... Um, I did lose my other DD5 and then couldn't find one. I had to go online and like look for it. But, you know, this is just a solid pedal I've had forever. And, you know, I like the tap tempo, but I kind of wanted to upgrade. So that's kind of how I got turned on to... Earthquaker devices. I'm not a big multi-effects person. I mean, besides the Kemper, which, you know, I had to use for the show, but a lot of gigs, I just come out with, you know, four or five pedals. I, I, I prefer individual pedals that I can see in front of me and tweak. And I've always had like the, the fear of, a, 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 actually a board did fry on me once. I think it was, yeah, it was in another country, multi-effects board, it was something with the, um, the transformer or something, something was plugged in wrong on the sound end and our, you know, the lights went out, like the stage lights went out and, and I, we smelled something and I'm like, Oh no. Please. It wasn't my fault, but somebody did something and I, I smelled that, you know, that, that smell of electricity. And, and so then my board was fried. So I said, all right, never again. And you know, I've, I've just always liked single effects, so I, but I switch it around so much, so I end up in like a room full of a pile of different pedals, but, you know, basically I like, you know, I used to play wah a lot, but I do, you know, delay, overdrive, distortion, I try to keep it simple, but once I discovered Earthquaker devices, I kind of got a little trippy, crazy, loopy, <laughs> like, because they just have so many different, like, really cool sounds, and I really like the group Tame Impala. Yeah. And so I was really kind of doing some research, like, wow, how do you get these sounds? And, you know, so I really got into like, you know, envelope filters and pitch arpeggiators and, you know, phase. And so, well, I was actually into phase before that because, or, or flange because of Prince, you know, he likes, oh, yeah. he, I'm just kind of getting used to it. I mean, it's, it takes time, you know, I'm just really new for me to like, you know, dive into this, but um, yeah, I really like Earthquaker devices. I'm going to try something here let's see what we got here I'm gonna do the grand orbiter this was actually their phase machine
for a while I was kind of putting different, you know, I was kind of keeping, I always want, when I get different pedals, I try to keep, I would keep the brands together. I don't know why I did that. It was like a little neuro, neurological thing, but then I'm like, let me just start mixing stuff up. Cause you know, I have a, I have an exotic SL drive, um, which I would use as a boost, or I used to have a, uh, what was it? The Ibanez tube screamer. I would use that as a boost to whatever distortion I was using. Mm hmm so like even the order of my pedals i do tend to switch up a lot um i like to have the delay at the very end so i can do swells with the volume pedal like bring it in and out um like i said i used to use a wah pedal a lot but i've kind of like kind of moved away from that but then sometimes i get studio sessions and they're like oh we want this wah sound and i'm like <laughs> so i gotta go grab one but you know i used crybabies for a while and i went to the the full tone clyde wah for for a bit and now I'm kind of in the market looking at different stuff so well you had mentioned the earthquaker avalanche run and and I know that you're in experimental phase but can we hear how you're currently using that or how you have it dialed up because that's a really adventurous yeah pedal. yeah yep yep I got that right here so you know there I mean if you're familiar with it you know they've got two different settings you got the delay side and then you got the reverb side I'm really haven't touched a lot on the reverb. I've been trying to dial in these delays because it's way more intricate than, than the DD5. Like, mm -hmm. I, or maybe I've just been playing the DD5 long enough that I've just kind of know it like the back of my hand and, you know, it always had that separate tap. So, you know, I kind of like the big button that you get with the boss tap tempos. So I'm getting used to just this little nub, you know. <laughs> so here's the uh, avalanche run. You can like play with this for hours and figure it out. reverse effect they have on here too. Yeah, I also use Moog pedals. Again, like I said, I'm, uh, let me see if I can lift this little guy up. So this is like my smallest board. It's you know, again, it's not nothing stuck on this one. I have like a medium sized one here. Um, so here's the polyphonic arpeggiator. Uh, this is gonna take a while to kind of get used to, but it's just, again, just to make like ambient sounds. Uh, I'm gonna use that with the DD5, which I've moved from my like main board to like the smaller one. Uh, then the MXR Super Badass Distortion and the Moog 
Mogerfug, I can't pronounce that. MF Chorus. Well, I mean, keep moving along. Is there anything else on your feet? Because I can't really see anything else that's plugged in that you want to talk about or show us or, you know, I, I, I don't want to be missing anything. Yeah, well, I've kind of played everything on this main board here is the Earthquaker devices, the hoof, the fuzz pedal. And this is kind of funny, an acoustic simulator. When I was in the market looking for an acoustic guitar and I had to, I had a gig and all of a sudden they're like, we need an acoustic and I could not find one to borrow anywhere. And so I went to like a music store and picked this up and I was like, why did I do that? But I made it work though. You know, it's, it's funny how it actually did what it needed to do. And uh, the, the Kemper, for instance, has an acoustic sound that I use. Uh, again, I use the, um, the Nags. I'm using this in David's show with an acoustic setting from the Kemper. And it actually worked. It was a song called Bullet. In the bridge of the song, I need an acoustic guitar, like in the middle of the song. And so, you know, we we're able to tweak and get a nice, real enough sounding tone to it. But... And that, that's a good point to, uh, uh, to bring up the, the camper. I know that we've been hearing your pedals and stuff, and that's kind of where you typically live. But how did, so I assume that the use of the camper or some type of modeling gear was kind of dictated by the, 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 the gig itself being so rapid fire, being everything kind of just happening. And so were, did you have much input in the tones and kind of shaping inside that? Or how did that all go? Well, well, what I had done at first was I got the set list and, you know, you know, some of the songs I knew, some of the head songs. And so I kind of was familiar with the tone that I needed. And I was just kind of taking notes, listening through everything, if it was like a brighter sound or heavier. Um, and I was, you know, before I realized that there was going to be nothing on stage, it's a complete, completely wireless show, uh, you know, just dance floor. I, um, you know, I was kind of messing around with the pedals I had to try to emulate the sounds that I needed. And then that way I kind of had an idea of my head to what, of what to take to put into the Kemper. And actually, you know, it was kind of intimidating at first, but I had, uh, this guy, Victor Muniz come in and he's kind of like a Kemper expert. He had worked with St. Vincent as well in helping her like kind of program it and get to learn, you know, learning how to use it. And then, um, you know, once I kind of got hip to it, I actually, you know, bought my own Kemper and I can, you know, take a USB key and I could tweak sounds and then take the key to the show if I needed to make adjustments for any reason. So, you know, that's something that's really cool about technology, being able to have your entire rig now on a USB key. Well, I'll, I'll do this ahead of time since, you know, we're doing filming this in September. I'll, I'll congratulate you on the music that we're about to hear and, you know, uh, I, all the success to you going forward on your uh, own stuff and obviously with Dave and everything else you got going on, Angie. Appreciate the time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. All right. This is Chris Keys for Premier Guitar in Nashville for Angie Swan in New York City. Thank you guys very much and stay safe.